as you sit drinking your coffee or walking through the city. The journey is about those people around you you haven't even noticed because you're so used to seeing them. This is their story and how they came to Southampton. The journey a changing Southampton. What was indenture? This project is supported by Heritage Lottery Fund and made possible by the contribution of Heritage Lottery players. Initiated, and the project's been initiated by Unity 101 Community Radio in Southampton. What is indenture? And why was it relevant to the journey of Indians to Southampton? Historically, indentured servitude is a form of labour in which a person is contracted to work without salary for a specific number of years. The contract, called an indenture, may be entered voluntarily for eventual compensation or debt repayment, or it may be imposed as a judicial punishment. In Britain, in the 1800s, it was also used as a way for a person to pay the cost of transportation to colonies in the Americas. Like any loan, an indenture could be sold. Most employers had to depend on middlemen to recruit and transport the workers. So indentured, indentured indentures, indentured workers, were commonly bought and sold when they arrived at their destinations. Like the prices of slaves, their price went up or down depending on supply and demand. And when the indenture loan was paid off, the worker was theoretically free. Sometimes they might be given a plot of land. The Indian indenture system was a system of indenture, a form of debt bondage, by which two million Indians called coolies a derogatory term, were transported to various colonies of European powers to provide labour for the mainly sugar plantations. It started from the end of slavery in 1833 and continued until 1920. But the people who were indentured even though they entered into a contract, willingly in most cases, were often ignorant of the places they agreed to go to or the challenges they were going to face. They would commit to signing up for five years generally, but sometimes ten, to work in a menial manner in the hope that it would lead to 
some opportunity in a new place or the opportunity to then return home with some money in their pocket. We mentioned the term coolie. It's of disputed origins. Some believe it derives from an Aboriginal tribe in the Gujarat region of India, and other, others believe it comes from a Tamil word, kuli, meaning payment for occasional menial work. That definition is the Oxford English Dictionary. The labourers who signed up, labourers, were mostly young, active, able-bodied people used to demanding labour and they were generally men. Now, the East India Company, the British East India Company, issued regulations in 1837, which were laid down specific conditions for the dispatch of Indian labour from Calcutta, the major harbour, and the would-be emigrant and his emigration agent, the middleman, were required to appear before an officer designated by the government of British India with a written statement of the terms of the contract. The length of the service was to be five years, renewable for a further five-year term or a continuation of five-year terms upon agreement. The emigrant was to be returned at the end of his service to the port of departure. In 1837, this scheme was extended to Madras. It should be remembered that most of the people signing up for indenture were not educated, signed with an X, and couldn't read the contract. Now, as soon as the new system of emigration of labour became known, a campaign similar to the anti-slavery campaign sprang up in Britain and India. The reason for this was indenture was the system of servitude introduced within the British Empire immediately that slavery was brought to an end. So slavery in 1833, indenture started in 1834. And on the 29th of May 1839, overseas manual labour was prohibited and any person affecting such emigration was liable to a 200 rupee fine or three months in jail. After this prohibition, a few Indian labourers continued to be sent to Mauritius via Pondicherry, a French enclave in South India. However, it was only a temporary victory because immigration was authorised again in 1842 to Mauritius, and in 1845 to the West Indies, and the rest of the British Empire. In modern times, people smuggling, also called human smuggling and migrant smuggling, is a practice which is characterised by the consent of the person being smuggled. People seeking a new start economically or escaping life-threatening circumstances in the country of origin. They pay for the journey and are often contracted into a system of exploitation, exploitation similar to debt bondage. Smuggling situations can descend into human trafficking. 
through coercion and exploitation. Trafficked people are held against their will through acts of coercion and forced to work for or provide services to the trafficker or others. Human trafficking is the third largest crime industry in the world behind drug dealing and arms trafficking and is the fastest growing activity of transnational criminal organisations. Human trafficking is a form of modern slavery. When adults and children are traded so they can be exploited for, by others for commercial gain. The Metropolitan Police in London. That's their definition. Now indentured labour in the 1800s was a form of debt bondage approved by the British government and monarch and managed by its agents across the British Empire. It was an arm's length process by which the British Treasury obtained vast sums of direct profit and then taxes. Someone who controls those who've been trafficked and manages them for financial gain so that they can undertake work is now called a gangmaster. Someone who employs a large number of workers often illegally and pays the workers very little money. It's just a question, but during indenture, was the gangmaster the British government's representative? Or even the British government? Indians were people from the Indian subcontinent with the primary source of indentured labour pre-partition, which was sent around the Commonwealth, the former British Empire. And the figures that we have for that are as follows. And remember, these are not exact. British Mauritius, 453,000. British Guyana, 239,000. Trinidad and Tobago, 147,500. Jamaica, 36,000. Malaya, 400,000. Grenada, 3,000. And please be aware I'm rounding these figures. St. Lucia, 4,000. Natal, South African region, 152,000. St. Kitts, 337. St. Vincent, 2,500. Reunion Island, 26,500. Dutch Suriname, 34,000. British Fiji, 61,000. East Africa, 32,000. The Seychelles, 6,000. Singapore, 3,000. That total is just over 1.6 million people who were entered into indentured labour. From 1834 to the end of World War I, Britain had transported about 2 million Indian indentured workers to 19 colonies, including Fiji, Mauritius, Ceylon, Trinidad, Guyana, Malaysia, Uganda, Kenya and South Africa. The conditions at work were harsh, with long working hours and low wages. 
Given the weak physical condition of the labourers after the long voyage, this took its toll. Available records indicate the annual mortality rate for Jamaica in 1837 of indentured labour was 12%, and little changed over the years. As 30 years later, the same figure was common for Mauritius. Children were expected to work alongside their parents from the time they were five years old. In an interview he gave to the Fiji Sun, Hal Zilda, an ex-indentured worker, remembered, We were whipped for small mistakes. If we woke up late, that is late in the 3am, you got whipped. No matter what happened, whether it was rain or thunder, you had to work. We were here to work, and work we had to do. Otherwise, we were abused and beaten up. Fiji's son, 1979, cited in Carter and Torabuli. The last indentured labourers went to the West Indies in 1916. Reparation, repatriation continued for many years after the time limit. The last ship carrying returning emigrants who had been promised they could be they would have a free journey home at the end of their indenture left the West Indies for India in nineteen fifty four, according to the British National Archives. Now this project needs volunteers and if you want to help with the journey project please become a volunteer obviously it's easier if you live in or near Southampton or Hampshire but we can be creative and there are a range of tasks which we'll help to, we will help to teach you also if you or your family moved from the Indian subcontinent directly or via Kenya Uganda South Africa contact us if you want to tell us and share your story. To contact us, it's the journey at unity101.org. Let me repeat that email. The journey at unity101.org.